Good morning, everybody. Everybody have a great week. Well, you're going to have a greater one if you come to the Southwest Believers Convention. I hope you've made your plans to be there with us. This is the 50th year of Brother Copeland's ministry. Praise God, I've been privileged to share in it in 48 of those years. And we're going to have a great time, praise God. I believe there's something special that's going to take place this coming week. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, open them to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm led of the Lord to share with you one of the key revelations that I learned 48 years ago that began my walk of victory. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Let's read it once again. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, what are the two qualifying factors? You receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That qualifies you to reign in life. How many of you have received abundance of grace? How many of you have received the gift of righteousness? Then look at somebody and say, I'm supposed to be reigning. Amen. We're not to live in defeat. We're not to fail all the days of our lives. We're not to be bound by the beggarly elements of this world. Notice they which receive abundance of grace. Who are the they? I'm one of the they. Lift your hand if you're one of the they. Look at somebody and say, I'm one of the they. So we have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And Second Corinthians 5.21, the Apostle Paul says, For he hath made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now notice, a few moments ago, we were referred to as they. In this scripture, it's referred to as we. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm one of the they. And I'm one of the we. Amen. He was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So I'm one of the we. That means I have been made righteous. And notice back in Romans 5, 15, he says... That it is a free gift. Righteousness is a free gift. That simply means there's not anything you could do to earn it. Amen. You can't do enough good works to get righteous. You can't be uh, a good enough Christian to be righteous. You can't avoid sin and finally get righteous. You were made the righteousness of God 
when he hung on the cross, hallelujah, when he was raised from the dead, you were justified by faith. That means God's not mad at you and God is not holding anything against you. Hallelujah. You're not an old sinner saved by grace. You can't be both. You were an old sinner. You got saved by grace. Hallelujah. And now you're the righteousness of God. Thank you somebody say, I am the righteousness of God. Tell somebody else, and I'm supposed to be reigning in life. Now, if you're not reigning in life, that's not God's fault. Not God's fault. Amen. So, righteousness is something we must receive. It's a gift. If somebody offered me a gift, in fact, I just came back from uh, a tour and... um, in one of the churches I was preaching in, the pastor, after the service, he said, Brother Savelle, uh, I have a gift for you. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a beautiful watch that he wanted to bless me with. It was a Steve McQueen, wow. uh, Daytona, I mean, Le Mans watch. Same, it, w- it was a duplicate of the same watch he wore in that race. Wow. And you know, I didn't say, I'm so unworthy. <laughs> I don't deserve that Steve McQueen watch. I said, give it to me. And I had it on before the before I got back to the hotel, praise God. I texted him when I got back to the hotel and said, I got my watch on. It's beautiful. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I texted him again and thanked him for it. It was a gift. I received it. Righteousness is a gift. Go ahead and receive it. Amen. Just hold your hands up like this and say, I receive it. Come on, pull it into yourself. I receive the gift of righteousness. Can you say amen? Look at somebody and say, how does it feel sitting next to a righteous person? Amen. Now, righteousness is an old English word. That simply means right standing. That means we have right standing with God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a great revelation. Let this sink in. You know, it amazes me how many Christians have not yet learned this. Some Christians still dealing with, I'm so unworthy. Come on. You hear, you hear preachers talking about, you know, preaching to their congregations. There's none righteous, no, not one. That was true before Jesus gave his life. There was none righteous, no, not one. Preachers still say today, our righteousness is as filthy rags. That was true before Jesus gave his life and we were justified. Amen. Amen. You are the righteousness of God. You're not going to get righteous when you get to heaven. If you wait till you get to heaven, it'll be too late. You might not make it. You have to receive it as a gift. Amen. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. I have right standing with God. God's not mad at me. He's not holding anything against me. My sin has been remitted. 
It's under the blood. The Son has made me free. And I am free indeed. Give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. So, if righteousness is a gift, then we receive it. Now, go back to Romans chapter 5 verse 17. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So, once again, this simply tells us that we have a right to reign in life because of the grace of God that's on our lives and because He's made us to have right standing with Him. Another word for reign is the word dominion. To have dominion, which implies possessing sovereign power. Possessing sovereign power. It also implies having royal authority. That's what reign means. Sounds like something kings might do. Sounds like something kings might have. You know, in the Old Testament, you'll see uh, scriptures that talk about in the reign of Darius, in the reign of a certain king or so forth. And every king has authority. Every king has dominion, royal authority. And the Bible clearly states in Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood hath made us kings and priests unto our God. He's the king of kings. He's the big king. We're the little kings. Hallelujah. Amen. We have been made kings. Start acting like one. You have royal authority. You have dominion, praise God. Can you say amen? Don't walk around with your head down, feeling sorry for yourself. Pity party. Talking about nothing works for me. Nothing good ever happens for me. You need to wake up to righteousness. That's what Paul said. Awake unto righteousness. Amen. I don't, I don't go around saying I'm righteous because I'm so good. I go around saying I'm righteous because he's so good. He made me righteous. And I tell you, the day I learned that, 48 years ago, my life has never been the same. When I found out, and I don't mind telling you, I didn't find it out on my own. I learned it from Kenneth Copeland. One of the first sermons I heard him preach 48 years ago about the reality of righteousness, having right standing with God. I I never knew that. I thought God was mad at us. That's what most Christians told me, you know, uh, that God's holding things against us. And I I grew up, you know, in a church where uh, the pastor, he, he said all the time, We're just old sinners saved by grace. And we believed it. We didn't know any better. I guess nobody in there uh, read the Bible. (laughs) I don't ever remember reading the Bible when I was a kid. Other than I love the story of Samson. I read the story of Samson. That's all I read. (laughs) And And I read one time about David and Goliath. 
I, I like little people beating up on big people. You know? Come on. <laughs> I read about Samson. I wanted to let my hair grow out. <laughs> I figured, you know, long-haired guys, they bad. Hallelujah. But they didn't have anything to do with it. They didn't have anything to do with it. And uh, I never read the Bible. Now, I believe Jesus died. I believe he rose from the dead. I believed he was coming back. I believed all those things. But you can believe all those things and still live in poverty, sickness, disease, lack, want. But the day I found out that I had right standing with God, that he was not mad at me, he was not holding anything against me. And then I came across scriptures that said, the, the, the uh, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified says, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I thought, wow, if you could ever get to be righteous, wouldn't you be a praying dude? Amen. And I found out I was righteous. And then I found scriptures like, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open under their prayers. Come on. I thought, man, if you could ever get to be righteous, God would hear every prayer that you prayed. Yeah. Then I found out where David said, you know, by this time he's a, a, an old man. And he says, I once was young, but now I'm old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Yeah. I thought, man, if you could ever get to be righteous, yeah. wouldn't that be something? And found out I already was. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. So I'll Amen. never have to beg bread. Never, never, never. As long as I live. I'll never beg bread. Hallelujah. Amen. My prayers are heard by Almighty God. Yes. His eyes are over me. His ears are open unto my prayers. And it's not because of anything I did. It's because of what He did. Hallelujah. Yes. You can't earn this. It's a gift. Go ahead and say, I receive it. Can you say amen? amen? So he has made us kings and priests, and we are to reign in life. Look at somebody and tell them, how does it feel sitting next to a king this morning? Tell somebody else, did you know I have royal authority? If you don't participate, I'm going somewhere else and preach. I said, did you know? Say it like you mean it. Did you know? I have royal authority. And that I'm supposed to be reigning in life. Life is not supposed to reign over me. I reign in life. I have right standing with God. And give the Lord a shout for it. Hallelujah. Amen. You have right standing. This is a vital Bible truth that still so many in the, uh, in the body of Christ do not know. And that's the reason they talk defeat, they talk failure, they talk lack, they talk sickness and disease. They don't ever intend to be the winner that God has called them to be. They don't think they have a right to. Now, what we are supposed to do is reign in life. So what is it we reign over? Let's do a quick study here. What are we to reign over? Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 14. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Then he goes on and talks about how that it is a free gift. And then notice in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all men have sinned. So notice every person after Adam was born with the sin nature. You and I were born with a sin nature. Not because of something we did, because of something Adam did. And as a result of that, we were born with a sin nature. And it took the blood of Jesus to remit our sins. It took his death and his resurrection to remit our sins. And then once we have received what he did at Calvary, then God remits our sins. He justifies us. And then he tells us that sin shall no longer reign over you. Can you say amen? Sin will no longer reign over you. It says, let us, or let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey the lust thereof. So the only way that sin can reign over you is if you allow it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. The only way that sin can reign over you is if you allow it. Satan can't make you do anything unless you allow it. You know, there used to be a comedian on TV years ago. Some of you that are as old as I am, you may remember. A guy named Flip Wilson. And he did a skit, you know. And he talked about, the devil made me do it. Well, it was a funny skit, but it's a lie. The devil can't make you do anything. That's right. Come on. Amen. The devil cannot make you do anything. You have to yield to it. Amen. That's what Paul is referring to in the very next verse, in verse 13. He says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Do not yield to sin, but yield yourselves unto God. So sin is actually very easy to stop in your life. You just refuse to yield to it. Amen. Brother Jerry, I just can't quit drinking. Yes, you can. Brother Jerry, I just can't quit smoking. Yes, you can. Brother Jerry, I just can't stop looking at pornography. Yes, you can. That's right. Come on. That's right. Brother Jerry, I just, I just can't quit cursing. I, I can't stop using profanity. Yes, you can. That's right. Come on. Ah. Amen. You have to yield to it. Amen. 
The devil can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Some of you men, that's what you tell your wives all the time. You can't make me do that. Once you get that feisty where the devil is concerned. And then you treat your wife a little better. Okay, I feel some stones coming over here. You have the authority. And he knows you do. And he's hoping you won't exercise it. And even more so than that, he hopes you never find out you have that kind of authority. So sin is actually very easy to stop in your life. You just refuse to yield to it. In fact, the Bible says in Paul's writings in Corinthians, awake unto righteousness and sin not. The greater revelation you have of your right standing with God, the less you're involved in sin. You're just not interested anymore. Having right standing with God is so good that sin doesn't even come close. Amen? Are you still here? Satan does not have the ability to make you do anything you don't want to do. Now, the word yield means to give into it. To allow it to happen, to concede, to permit, to grant, or just simply to surrender. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, that'd be the worst thing I could do is surrender to someone who's already defeated. To surrender to someone who's already been defeated at Calvary 2,000 years ago? Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to surrender to an enemy that has already been beaten? Can you say amen? So, to surrender. That means that I would have to, I would have to let go of everything I've been taught, let go of everything I've learned, To yield to something, and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that sin is for a season. It it has pleasure for a season. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to give up something that is eternal, (laughs) everlasting, for something that only lasts for a season? Can you say amen? The book of James, chapter 1, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. The Amplified says, by his own worldly desire. So that would say, if you aren't entertaining the thought, then Satan has no authority over you. If you're not entertaining the thought... Of something that is sinful. Then he does not have the ability. To draw you into it. And the Bible says. If you do have thoughts. That are contrary to the word of God. You have the authority to cast them down. Bring every thought. Into the obedience of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Sin begins with a thought. 
it can be defeated. Amen. I said I'd run through this quickly, but I want it to sink in. We're talking about reigning in life. You know, Carolyn and I have been talking about it recently. We don't talk enough about sin in the church anymore. We're afraid we might offend somebody. We don't want to lose our crowd. Some of the mega churches today never mention the word sin. They don't want to offend anybody. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It displeases your heavenly father. There's teaching going on today that anything goes. Anything goes. Oh, we're under grace. No, grace... Doesn't mean anything goes. Grace means you got in. If it hadn't been for the grace of God, you would have never got in. Grace means you're in now. Live for Him. Don't use your liberty for an occasion to serve the flesh. That's right. Come on. Amen. See. Some of you get nervous right now. Oh, I never heard Brother Jerry preach like this before. Oh, I've preached it many times. And uh, I've, I've even been told, uh, you know, when I talk about holiness, not talk about godliness and talk about living right. Uh, one preacher friend of mine said right behind me, got up right behind me and said, well, that's a great message, Brother Jerry, just taught on holiness, and, 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 and we ain't none of us going to do it. I thought, wow. But folks, I can't think of a better time than right now to start letting people know that sin won't work. Yes, we are under grace, but that does not mean we can live any old way we want to live and God will just, he'll just wink at it. No, the wages of sin is still death. You're dying on the inside. Amen. We are to reign in life. And the first thing we are to reign over is sin. Are you still here? Sin. Amen. If you awake to righteousness, if you become more and more aware of your right standing with God, you're going to sin less and less. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, when you get a genuine revelation of your right standing with God, how good is that? It doesn't get any better. Right standing with God, you get to run with the creator of the universe and he's not mad at you. He is holding nothing against you. He, he considers you a friend. Uh, uh, he's a father to you. He's your child. How good is that? 
Amen. You know, there are certain individuals uh, that, that I counted a great honor to, to have relationship with and, and, and have the opportunity to run with. You know, I counted a great honor, a great blessing in my life to be the friend of Oral Roberts. He's been in our home in Evelyn and, and uh, I served on his board for over 25 years. I have a great number of handwritten letters from Oral Roberts to me, usually a minimum of four pages long. Just sat down and write, you know, just precious letters to me. Every year he sent $200 to me and Carolyn and said uh, for, for Christmas, uh, take your family out uh, for a special dinner on me and Evelyn. I still have those letters and I still have the $200 in them. I ain't dare spending that money. <laughs> oh, Roberts held it. And I later, around, later learned from his son, Richard, he got it from Evelyn. He, Oral didn't have no money. He got it from Evelyn. <laughs> but Evelyn held it, praise God. And once in a while, I'll go back and read those letters. Uh, the girls, when, when Brother Roberts passed away, they put together a, an album for me with all those handwritten letters and, and all the meetings that we did together. And I've even got uh, outlines of his. Richard gave me not too long ago. They found outlines where Oral Roberts sat in my meetings, took notes, and went and preached my sermon, and he wrote my name in there. How good is that? Amen. I was preaching at ORU one time, and when I got through, I was preaching on the force of joy. And he came up to me, and he said, look at this. And in the back of his Bible, he had the title, Oral's Joy. And he had all my scriptures that I had shared, and all my notes. And he said, now I'm going to go preach that, and I'm not telling anybody where I got it. (laughs) I said, that's fine, Brother Roberts. I've been doing you that way for years. (laughs) But at least I tell him where I got it. Now, I counted a great joy. I remember times when just out of the blue, he would call me and say, come to Tulsa and spend some time in the prayer tower with me and let's pray together. Wow. Praying with Oral Roberts. That's great. Brother Copeland, you know, he and I have been preaching, he calls it preaching buddies over all these years. And we have just this awesome relationship, both ministry and Personally, our families are in covenant with one another, have been all these years. His kids call me their second dad. My kids call him their second dad. And a great relationship. I know people that would, that would give almost anything to spend one hour with men like that. I've been privileged to spend a life with them. How good is that? But nothing compares to the relationship I have with God Himself. I have right standing with God. That's right. I know I had right standing with Oral Roberts. I know I have right standing with Kenneth Copeland right now. But how much better is right standing with Almighty God? Hey, I don't have to wait for a call like I did from Oral Roberts to come and pray, spend time in prayer. 
My Heavenly Father invites me every day. Hallelujah. Come to the boat, come to the throne boldly. Every day I get to hang out with God. Go ahead and touch me, Bill. It'll be all right. Praise God. Hanging out with God. Having right standing with Him. And, and the deeper that revelation is, the less you want or desire anything Satan has to offer. Yeah. Amen. I got delivered a smoking 49 years ago before I even surrendered my life to the Lord, to the, to the ministry. And you know, I haven't desired to smoke a cigarette since. Now the next day, Oh, dear God. After that preacher prayed for me, and I committed to never smoke again, the next day when I went to the shop, my snap-on toolbox, the top left drawer, kept all my cigarettes and cigars. I didn't think you could work on a wrecked car without a cigarette hanging out your mouth or a cigar. That's the way my daddy did it. The next day when I went to the shop, I grabbed for that left drawer to get a cigarette out of there. And I thought, dear God. Now, this is the mentality I had because I didn't know I had right standing. But I thought, if I take that cigar out of that drawer, lightning's liable to strike me dead before I get home. <laughs> and and this, this gentleman that had worked for my daddy, his name was R.L. Diggs. He was a black gentleman. He'd worked with my daddy, and, and he, he saw me grow up, and dad taught me the trade. And now he's working at the same dealership I was working at. At the time, it was the Buick dealership. He had bummed cigarettes off of my daddy for as long as I can remember. And then he started bumming cigarettes off of me, barring cigarettes. And he called my, he called my dad, uh, Mr. Jerry, and he called me Mr. Bubba. <laughs> Mr. Bubba, you got a cigarette? I said, R.L., you know I got a cigarette. And you know where they are. He said, can I borrow one? As if he's going to bring it back or what? You know? <laughs> can I borrow one? I said, you know you can borrow one. And he'd go over there in that drawer and he'd get his cigarette, you know. And he might get two or three during the course of a day. R.L. never had cigarettes. The day after I got delivered of smoking... R.L. brought a box full of cigarette cartons, cartons, box full of cigarette. Bubba, I come to pay you back. I said, R.L., where'd you get all those cigarettes? He said, you don't want to know. But the day after I got delivered, he suddenly decides to pay me and my daddy back. Man, I walked past them cigarettes all day. I'd go over and work on that car and I'd walk over there. I got so desperate, if I could have lit up a screwdriver, I'd have smoked it. <laughs> but I made it through that day and I thought, dear Lord, if I can make it through this day, not smoking a cigarette, I'm free of those things. And I made it through that day, and that was 49 years ago. And I have never, you know, I haven't, I've never, never. Never. The devil don't even bring it up. You know, Jerry, things are not working good today. Why don't you just smoke a cigarette? That's not even a temptation. 
Jerry, you know, if faith doesn't seem to be producing today, why don't you go have a fifth of Jack Daniels? That is not a temptation. He don't bring that up. That's not even a weakness. Come on. Because I have right standing with God. Yeah. Jack Daniels can't hold a candle to that. That's right. Come on. Amen. That's right. Winston ain't even close to that. That's right. Amen. I have right standing with God. So we have dominion over sin. Say, I have dominion over sin. I have dominion over sin. Say, sin shall have no dominion over me. Sin shall have no dominion. I reign over sin. I reign over sin does not reign over me. So once again, the Bible clearly states that we reign over sin. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's dig in a little deeper. Sin actually represents the nature of Satan. He's the author of sin. Sickness and disease are byproducts of the nature of Satan. Poverty and lack is a byproduct. Of the nature of Satan. There was no sin in the garden. When God created the garden. And he created Adam and Eve. Sin didn't exist. Not in the garden. Not in the earth. It wasn't until they yielded. To that serpent representative of Satan. And then sin came. That's what we just read about in Romans chapter 5. Sin came into the earth. And with it came all the byproducts. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, want, fear. Those are all byproducts. And if we are to reign over sin, then we also have authority over all of its byproducts. We reign over sickness. We reign over disease. We reign over poverty. We reign over lack. We reign over want. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. So once again, think about it. There was no sickness, no poverty, no lack, no fear in the garden before sin came. Adam and Eve Never experienced any of that until sin entered the world. That's also when the curse came. But thank God the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, every man that hangeth on the tree. Amen. And we have been redeemed from the curse. So we don't have to be controlled by sin. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, or want. Can you say amen? Amen. Say, I'm redeemed. redeemed. Say it again, I'm redeemed. redeemed. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 for a moment. What are we supposed to reign over? We reign in life. Because of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Now, the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 28 talk about the blessing. But then from there to the end of the chapter talks about the curse. 
Verse 27, one of the curses is, thou can not be healed. Look at the latter part of that verse. Thou canst not be healed. Under the curse, you can't be healed. Look at verse 29. Thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore. You can't prosper under the curse. You'll be oppressed under the curse. You'll be spoiled. That means robbed from under the curse. Look at verse 32. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people. Thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. And there shall be no might in thine hand. In other words, your, your children be taken into captivity of a spiritual outlaw named Satan. That's under the curse. Verse 33, thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed always. Oppressed, living under heaviness, under a dark cloud all the days of your life. Look at verse 28, I mean 38. Thou shalt carry much seed out in the field and shalt gather but little. That is a violation of spiritual law. God said in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Paul says, if you sow little, you reap little. But if you sow much, you reap much. So sowing much and reaping little is a violation of that spiritual law. But under the curse, you're always sowing, but you're never reaping much. That's under the curse. Can you say amen? amen? Verse 44, it says, You'll lend, uh, they'll lend to thee, thou shalt not lend to them. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. That's just the opposite of the blessing. You'll be the head, and not the tail. You'll be above, and not beneath. Verse 48, You'll be in hunger, and in thirst, and in nakedness, and in want all uh, in want of all things, you'll have a yoke upon your neck until you have been destroyed. So notice, under the curse, you're always in want. You never have your needs met. That's under the curse. And then verse 59 says that there will be sore sicknesses of long continuance. Diseases and sicknesses that last a long time. That's under the curse. And then verse 60, also every sickness and every plague, which is not even written in this book, is under the curse. Every sickness and every plague that is not even written in the book is under the curse. And thank God we've been redeemed from the curse. Can you say amen? Christ hath redeemed us from the curse. Amen. So if I reign over sin, then that also gives me the authority to reign over all those byproducts, which they are, want, oppression, sickness. All of those are byproducts of the nature of Satan. Can you say amen? Amen. And we have a right to reign over them. We've been redeemed. Shout, I've been redeemed. redeemed. Say it again. I've been redeemed. Look at somebody and say, I have been redeemed. 
Now Psalm 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I find a lot of people are not talking it enough. A lot of people are not saying they're redeemed. They didn't say, let the redeemed of the Lord continue to be lorded over. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And the, the implication there is that you keep on saying it. And you keep on saying it Amen. over and over and over. I've been saying it for 48 years now. I am the redeemed. Hallelujah. I'm redeemed from poverty. I'm redeemed from lack. I'm redeemed from want. Hallelujah. I'm redeemed from oppression. I'm redeemed from my kids going to the devil. Hallelujah. I'm redeemed. Amen. None of those things should be reigning over us. We should be reigning over them. Amen. So say this. I reign over sin. I reign over sickness. I reign over disease. I reign over poverty. I reign over lack. I reign over want. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. Now, you're not only redeemed from the curse, but you're entitled to enjoy the blessing. Galatians 3, 29. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promised. You are blessed with Abraham's blessing. Let's go back and take a look quickly. The first part of Deuteronomy chapter 28. All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be your basket and your store. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that come up against thee to be smitten before thee. They'll come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in your storehouses and all you set your hand unto. He shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself. Verse 10, and all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. Verse 11, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. Everybody shall plenty. The Lord shall make thou plenteous in goods in the fruit of your body, the fruit of your cattle, the fruit of your ground, and the land which the Lord thy God uh, swear to thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open up the heaven, or his good treasure, the heaven to give thee rain in thy season, and to bless all the work of your hand. Hold your hands up. Turn them towards you. Say this, God promised to bless all the work of my hands. Hallelujah. Everything you set your hands to do should be blessed. Glory to God. Amen. In verse 13, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. Thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath if thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God. So say it again. I am the redeemed. I'm not only redeemed. 
I'm the blessed. Say, I'm redeemed and I'm blessed and I'm supposed to reign. Give the Lord another shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 54, 17, the Amplified Bible says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. The latter part of that verse says in the Amplified, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. To triumph over all opposition. That would sound like to me the same thing as to reign in life. If opposition never triumphs over you, and you're triumphant over opposition, sounds like to me you're reigning in life. And God makes it very clear in that same verse, Isaiah 54, 17, and your righteousness is of me. What did Paul tell us? Through our right standing with God, we are entitled to reign in life. Now, wouldn't you agree that we have the right to reign over sin, to reign over sickness, to reign over disease, over poverty, over lack, over want, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. And why are so many in the body of Christ allowing it to reign over them? Apparently, we're not exercising our royal authority. Too many times we just put up with things. Hope to God it'll be better. One day, in the sweet by and by. Come on. All this sounds like to me, if we're blessed in all these areas of our lives and we're to reign in life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, it sounds like to me God's got flourishing on his mind. Yeah. You knew I was going to come to that, didn't you? <laughs> God's got flourishing for you on his mind. Amen. Psalm 92, 12, the righteous shall flourish. How many in here believe you are righteous? Have you received the gift of righteousness? Then you qualify there. The righteous shall flourish. Reigning in life includes flourishing. Verse 14 says, They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat, which the Hebrew says flourishing, prosperous and flourishing. Even in old age. I don't don't intend the older I get, and I'm 70 now, I don't intend as the older I get to be less blessed. I intend to be more blessed. I intend to flourish, hallelujah. I intend to be bearing fruit even in old age. Glory to God. You know, even the world says the new 70 is 40. (laughs) I don't act like people I knew when I was young that were 70. I don't act like them at all. When, when my dad reached 70, I thought, dear God, that's old. I don't feel old. The Amplified Bible says uh, that they will be 
How is it that, that phrase? Who's got to amplify for Psalm 92, the last verse? I got I to gotta get that phrase. Living memorials, but what is it that, well, maybe it's the verse above. To show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his people. The verse above. Growing in grace, they shall Gro- bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be full of sap. Full of sap. <laughs> I'm full of sap. <laughs> that means spiritual vitality. That's what I was looking for. Come on. I'm full of sap. And I'm going to get sappier. Hallelujah. Until it's just oozing out of me. Hallelujah. Spiritual vitality. Glory to God. I'm full of spiritual vitality. I'm, I'm, I haven't cut back. I haven't done less. I'm going more. Joe and I, back in March, we visited about five different nations, preached every night. The only night I didn't preach was the day I was traveling to get to the next country. Prayed for people. Dear God, I laid hands on I don't know how many people and never got tired, never got weak. Praise God. Looking Looking forward to the next meeting, praise God. Amen. I don't intend to get like most old people do. I'm still riding motorcycles. Hallelujah. And if it gets to the place where it's just a little difficult to stay on two wheels, I'll ride three. Hallelujah. I might put on the back of it. He's still full of sap. Praise the Lord. Amen. Dare to believe this. God wants us to flourish. That's what grace is all about. That's what righteousness is all about. The righteous shall flourish. Those who have right standing with God and know how to walk in it, they will flourish. Hallelujah. Amen. It'll be like days of heaven on earth. So dare to believe it. I didn't make this up, folks. I've given you scripture, chapter, and verse. This is what God wants. Listen to some of the scriptures I've added to this. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God gets pleasure out of you and I prospering. He gives pleasure out of us flourishing, praise God. Can you say amen? Amen. Every time you prosper, heaven breaks out in joy. Every time you experience one of the benefits of flourishing, heaven breaks out in joy. Hallelujah. Amen. The message translation says, let them say over and over and over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, keep saying it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. The more you say it, the more it'll get down on the inside of you. 
And the more it's on the inside of you, the more you'll believe it. Praise God. And the more you believe it, the more you'll expect it. Praise God. And the more you expect it, the more you'll experience it. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Amen. But don't just walk out of here saying it one time because I ask you to say it. Let them say continually. Don't ever stop declaring that God wants you to prosper. Continually decree that God wants you to flourish. You're supposed to reign in life. The psalmist once wrote, and I've already quoted it earlier, Psalm 37, 25. I have been young, now am I old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Why don't the righteous have to beg bread? Because they're supposed to reign. They're supposed to flourish. As long as you keep God first place in your life, then the Bible promises you that you shall not want any good thing. Psalm 3410, you shall not want any good thing. Psalm 6819, God will daily load you with benefits. Keep God first place in your life. You will not want any good thing. He will daily load you with benefits. Psalm 115 verse 14, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Hallelujah. Praise God. Proverbs 10, with the blessing on your life, the Bible says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Another translation says a rich life. Proverbs 15, 6, in the house of the righteous is much treasure. Glory to God. Carolyn got a hold of that verse years ago and began to confess it, believe for it, praise God. And our house is filled with treasures. Praise God. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Yes. To abound in blessings, that's reigning in life. Yes. Shout it with me. I receive it. I receive it. In, the name of Jesus. in the name of Jesus. And give the Lord your best shout for it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let all those who have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness stand to their feet and give the Lord another shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We reign in life. Glory to God. Glory to God. A lack of knowledge, the Bible says, brings destruction to God's people. A lack of knowledge. That's what that book is for, to fill you with the knowledge of God. But it's very interesting how, if you never pick it up, it doesn't jump out of the book. You don't spend quality time in it. It, it, it. it just doesn't come. We're living in a time where you're going to need the knowledge of the Word more than you ever have in your life. These are crazy times we're living in.
read Paul's writings in Timothy. He talked about times of great stress. Times that would be difficult and hard to bear. Not impossible, but difficult and hard. We're already there, folks. Just look at the world around us right now. I would have never dreamed that my America would be in the condition it's in right now. The turmoil. The hate. The confusion. The only thing that's going to protect us and cause us to be where God wants us to be is the knowledge of His Word. Not being a hearer only, but a doer of the Word. Settle it once and for all. You've already received abundance of grace. That took place at Calvary. And you've already received the gift of righteousness. Now through those two, the Apostle Paul says, we reign in life. I have the grace and I have right standing. That entitles me to reign in life. That prevents life from reigning on me. Can you say amen? amen? So I want you to lift your hands right now and say this with me out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive your word today. I'm stirred in my spirit. And even though I might have known these things, I've been refreshed in them. They're stirring in me right now. And I'm determined to get a deeper revelation of what it means to have right standing with God. And what it means to reign in life. Satan, I declare unto you right now. You have no authority in my life. You can't make me do anything I don't want to do. You're not in control of my destiny. I take authority over you. All of your demons. All of your plots. All of your schemes. In Jesus' name. I stand strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. And I live in victory. I triumph always. In the name of Jesus. Satan, that's how it will be. Now and for the rest of my life. Amen. Give the Lord a good shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Reach over and lay your hands on somebody nearby. And I want you to speak over them health, prosperity, no want, and no lack, no fear. You pray that over them right now. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim over everyone in this building. 
No sickness, no disease, no poverty, no lack, no want, no fear, no oppression, no heaviness. In the name of Jesus, they are redeemed. And I decree in his precious name from this moment forward, they will reign in life. And I give you praise for it. If you receive it, give the Lord your best shout. Amen.